Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There will be no death by inches. This is the Broncos Daily Podcast with Brandon Crystal. I want everything. I want all the meatballs and the pasta, you know. Happy Thursday, Broncos country. Got a lot to do and not a lot of time because I want you to go to KOANewsradio.com and check out everything that we're about to tell you as it relates to Dalton Reisner and his Reisner Up Foundation that is doing a radiothon today in partnership with KOA. And it's going to benefit a number of organizations here up and down the front range. Food Bank of the Rockies, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Metro Denver, and Volunteers of America's Meals on Wheels program. Bank of Colorado and Wyotech are helping with this Radiothon that started at 6, and Dalton Reisner joined us on Colorado's Morning News, Marty Lenz, April Zesbaugh, and myself, and talked all about it. So I want to let you hear it, and I hope you can get involved as well. KOANewsRadio.com is where all the info is, but we began the conversation with Dalton by asking him just to explain what his foundation does because most rookies don't come into the league with the foundation already set up but dalton certainly is that guy uh he had it at college at k-state he's a wiggins colorado native as we all know and when he got to denver it was obviously natural just to keep it going so here he is this morning with us on cmn telling us uh, about the radiothon and again we began with what Reisner up foundation is all about you know in college i, I did a lot of community service with uh, various groups and tried to use this football platform that we're blessed with to, to make an impact as big as I could off the field. And, and I started to do that in a lot of ways. I wanted to bring that all together and kind of empower other people to do the same thing that I was doing. So the, the Rising Up Foundation's mission statement is First Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So it's definitely a faith-based um, uh, nonprofit foundation. I want to impact people with, with the testimony of the Lord. I want to share Jesus Christ across the world. Um, but more importantly than that, it's just about spreading kindness. Um, you know, I do work with Special Olympics or with um, kids that have cancer or going and speaking at schools, including small schools for kids that, that need a dream or kids that get bullied. You know, those are things that we love to do throughout the Rising Up Foundation. So it's about the simple acts of kindness and, you know, being kind to people nowadays has kind of become the unpopular thing. We feel like, you know, holding the door for someone or asking a stranger how they're doing has, isn't really the popular thing to do anymore. And, you know, the popular thing is to kind of take care of yourself. So the Rise Up Foundation is just about being a positive light in someone's life every day and making an impact with the platform that God gave me with the NFL. So that kind of sums up in a nutshell. Um, but we're really excited to see where the Rise Up Foundation goes in the next coming years. We're kind of just lifting off the ground right now. Dalton, you bring up some great points, and I guess during these times with the pandemic, it's easy to forget that these organizations like yours and others are still in need of resources and money. And I'm just curious, do you have any idea with any of those organizations, even your own, how much maybe you, you normally would raise at this time but haven't because people are locked down or shut out or focused on other endeavors? Oh, most definitely. You know, I've had their foundation for a year, maybe two years now. 
and you know foundations coming in are kind of how we make our impacts and of course i'm going to donate to my foundation um probably probably more than a lot of other people because you know that's my passion but we haven't been getting we haven't been getting donations you know it's hard you know people are you know struggling struggling for their jobs people are struggling to get back to work and you know that's exactly what we wanted to do today is because you know we the rise up foundation we want to help those in need. We want to help, you know, Meals on Wheels. We want to help Boys and Girls Club. You know, we want to help Food Bank of the Rockies and have an impact here in Colorado to help those affected by COVID. So most definitely haven't been getting the donations that we usually do. And, and that's kind of what a big part of the day is about, is, is getting money to make an impact here in Colorado. Well, you talk about COVID and how many people it's affected. It's also affected your, your day job and you can't get together with your team in person. So you guys are doing these Zoom meetings, uh, which just started this week. So I'm curious, switching gears to football a little bit. How have the Zoom meetings been going? Because Drew Locke said he's picking up the offense 10 times faster, not because of the Zoom meetings, just because of where he is, said his dad's quizzing him this year rather than you quizzing him uh, on the offense or giving him uh, tips and tricks to, to pick it up quicker. So how's it going from your perspective? Uh, it's going good. You know, I obviously would much rather want to be, you know, in the facility. And, you know, I don't know if it's easier to learn the offense 10 times. You know, me and Drew must be having a different experience. But I think it's much easier to be able to be in the facility and be able to get these reps with my teammates and be able to have my coaches, uh, you know, there drilling me on it and seeing if we know it, putting it into practice. You know, we can zoom all we want and look at these notebooks and write it down on a piece of paper, but we all know the game of football is much different. You know, when you get out there, you got to be able to block a guy and do your assignment. It just takes a whole new level of, you know, skill. So I'm really missing that part, but we're doing the most we can with the situation we have. You know, I'm thankful that we're able to get on Zoom meetings and at least see our coaches and see our teammates and uh, kind of work on what we need to, to work on. But, you know, it's, I'm very thankful that we're able to do that, but we have some work to do to get back into the facility. Man. I'm excited to be doing that. Dalton, before we wrap up with you, the NFL schedule comes out tonight. The season is slated to happen in one way or another. Do you feel like it's safe to have games, and what would you think of playing in an empty stadium? You know, I love this game of football. It's a great question. And, you know, I love playing at Mile High Stadium, but – if we can play football and there's not going to be any fans, then I'd rather do that than not play any football at all. Of course, you know, I want to be in there with the fans and, and everyone's talked about it. We've been like, man, if there's no fans, like, what are we going to do if we score a touchdown? I wonder what the celebration's going to be like. So <laughs> it's really interesting to think about what like, and I'm one that loves the fans. I love the noise. I love that whole atmosphere. So, It'll definitely be different if we don't, but as long as we get to play the game of football, I get to go out there and, and play with my teammates, you know, even if for the first few games we don't have fans and they slowly let people in, um, I'll take that over not being able to play ball. So I know that this is a, a pandemic, and a lot of people are like, how could you be, think, what is, why is your main priority football? It should be about, you know, the world and how they're doing, but um, that is the main priority. But we also love ourselves some football, and, and we want to get back to playing as soon as we can. Well, Dalton, we love you. We're, we'd love to say Colorado's very own. You're a local kid, and, and that's fantastic to see your success and the good things you're doing. So thank you so much for, for helping out with doing the Radiothon and, and for being a part of all this. We really appreciate it. I know the fans do as well. Oh, of course. That's no problem to me at all. I'm very, very thankful, and I think, thank you guys for doing this, and thank you for, for everyone today that calls the, the Rise Up Foundation um, and donates today to help for COVID-19 relief. I really appreciate it, everyone.
So again, KOANewsradio.com all day long. If you have a chance to check in on KOA, depending on when you hear this, uh, you'll hear a bunch of Dalton's teammates uh, are supposed to be sprinkled in throughout the day. Dalton will likely be on uh, probably one or two shows as well, uh, if not uh, if not three or four. Uh, so make sure you go to KOANewsradio.com to see where you can help the Reisner Up Foundation and help Donate to these great causes with Food Bank of the Rockies, Boys and Girls Clubs of Metro Denver, and Volunteers of America's Meals on Wheels. All right, Joe Rowles from Mile High Report is their film study expert. He's their film study guru. I talked to him a bunch in free agency uh, or leading up to free agency about what was uh, on the horizon for the Broncos and and what kind of film study he had done to that point. Primed... uh, all the Mile High Report readers and then the folks that listen to he and Jeff Essery on their Cover 2 Broncos podcast. Uh, and it was uh, it was a fun conversation that I hadn't talked to him in a while, uh, but wanted to get his breakdown on what he was working on now. Uh, and it turns out it's going to be Broncos left tackle. And then a look at the rookie class. So you can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rowe underscore NFL, J-O-R-O underscore NFL. Joe Rawls, Mile High Report, and Cover 2 Broncos podcast uh, joins me now here to talk all things Broncos. Joe, it's been a little while since we talked. We did a big free agency breakdown, then the world basically shut down and took a little pause on Broncos Daily Podcast. We've been going strong. Had your man Jeff Essery on to help me pre and post draft and want to get into some draft stuff with you as well. But before we get your film breakdown of the Broncos draft picks, I know that you've been working on Garrett Bowles breakdown. You're going to look at Elijah Wilkinson because left tackle with the news that Garrett Bowles isn't going to have his fifth year option picked up and we know they didn't draft a tackle yet is going to continue to be a question mark until it feels like it's solved for a long time. So what do you see in Garrett Bowles, who certainly gets a bad rap, maybe some earned, uh, some just kind of piling on, but but what do you see when you do the breakdown of number 72? So I think on shorter pass sets, uh, in jump sets, 45-degree pass sets, he actually looks like he's kind of figured it out a little bit. And I think his recognition of stunts, and blitzes has definitely improved since the last time I looked at his tape uh, specifically. Um, one area where I think he still does struggle quite a bit, and this is one of those things where I think Drew Locke really hit him, is deep passing sets, uh, w- which would be called like vertical passing sets. When he has to, like on third, third and long, when he has to just set up and wait for the edge rusher, he still struggles quite a bit. One of the things that happened when Drew Locke was playing is the Broncos coaching staff and Locke did a better job of managing that because they, they didn't do as much drop back passing without play action or motion, anything like that. So he wasn't asked to do it quite as often. And the other thing is uh, lock mobility kind of hit it from the fact that if air poles got beat lock would still be able to move, but that is still a concern. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm planning to go over Wilkinson this weekend and then to next week, just because, I didn't realize how serious the competition would really be back when I first heard that it was going to happen. But now that I've kind of watched Garrett Bulls, I do think that there is a possibility that Elijah Wilkinson could be the starting left tackle for the Broncos next year. Well, I had heard, and I don't know if I ever actually reported I know I said it on air, but there, there were rumors that had Juwan James come in and played well in the Colts game and Bulls continued to struggle, that Elijah Wilkinson was not only going to come over and play left tackle and not just finish out that game, but perhaps – in addition to finishing out the year, they were maybe going to let Garrett Bowles go at that point. They were so frustrated with oh, him. Oh, wow. But then he comes back and, and plays really well 
all things considered, uh, with Drew Locke's help to, to some degree. But in those final five games, he only gave up one sack and didn't have any holding penalties. So th- there is at least some sign of positivity. And, and the other big thing, too, especially when I talk to folks with the team and, and even just those of us that cover it, he doesn't miss a game. He, he does have yep. the number one ability, and that's availability. Even when he hurts himself in the second game of his pro career and gets carted off, he starts the next week in Buffalo. So there's something to be said for, for all of that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I do think the fact that Bulls is basically always healthy will be helpful, and that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that the Broncos aren't letting him go because Juwan James is kind of a question mark. I do think if he can come in, Juwan James would help the entire offensive line just because – the Broncos would be able to slide more protections towards Bulls and help him. Or if Wilkinson ends up at the left tackle, same thing. Because I, I don't think either one of them are going to become necessarily like a Pro Bowl level left tackle this year. Uh, I do think that what they did down the stretch with Drew Locke, they can manage that left tackle spot. But I do think it's one of those things where going into next year, unless Wilkinson makes a huge jump, and I, I don't necessarily know if he will. Again, I'm still working on his tape. Unless unless he makes a huge jump, I think they will end up needing a left tackle next offseason. Um, I don't think Bowles is going to be ever be more than a solid player at both, and I don't know if he can get there. Um, a lot of the technique issues we went over this on Cover Two Broncos, but a lot of the technique issues he has on like vertical passing sets and issues with his hands, they've kind of continued from when he was coming out of Utah. Like I know Munchak has made some strides with him, but a lot of the same issues are still cropping up. When you say a lot of the same issues, what exactly mm-hmm. what exactly is at the top of the list? Uh, one of the big ones is his feet. Um, and again, on vertical passing sets, so like true third down passes where under Flacco you saw this a lot, where Flacco would just be in shotgun, they drop back, there's no play action, there's no – the tackle just has to wait for the edge rusher and then block him off. Gear Bowles would turn almost like a door hinge. Uh, you watch that, and then you watch like Elijah Wilkinson even on the other side. And it's really it's – really, noticeable how different their form is um bulls has the athleticism where he can sometimes get away with it that's something that was happening under when Levac was playing but it's not it's not predictable like he, he he wasn't getting called for penalties but i i counted at least three plays during drew lock starts where he could have gotten called for penalties and they looked exactly the same as the plays that he's gotten called for holds for in the past um and the big thing is he ends up being late with his hands and on vertical path. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think that what ends up happening is he raises his hands too late, and he doesn't have the punch strength to like kind of knock the edge rusher off. So what he ends up doing is having to wrap his arm around them to keep them from getting bending the arc. It happens most against speed rushers who can bend the arc. Um, that's one of the reasons why against like the Lions, he didn't have as many issues because Trey Flowers doesn't have that kind of like ability to press the passer. He's a power player. Um, and then other than that, I think Garrett Bowles' anchor, because he does that hinge so quickly off the line, he ends up absorbing a lot of contact and getting pushed into the pocket. And under with Flacco at quarterback, that was a huge issue because Flacco didn't really move in the pocket much. 
So all of a sudden, the left side of the line was collapsing on him almost from the jump. Whereas Locke will move a little bit. You can kind of see Locke's used to kind of a collapsing pocket. He adjusts to it better. So I think a big part of Garrett Bowles' improvement down that final stretch was the players around him making his job easier. It wasn't necessarily him playing better. Well, and what's interesting, too, is you talk about Locke making his life easier. Really good quarterbacks have made suspect offensive linemen look good for a long time. Tom Brady got Nate Solder plenty of recognition and then made him the highest paid lineman in football history at the time when he signed with the Giants. And Peyton Manning was able to get by for a lot of years, especially after Tarek Glenn retired. Uh, but you would like to have that blind side of your quarterback sewed up. Great. And so uh, you now have to turn to the draft or potential free agency or, I guess, a trade down the road. Uh, but looking at, at this year's draft before we worry about next year's draft, and you certainly can worry about it if you want, but it's not going to do much good right now. When you did the film breakdown, kind of player by player or uh, however you want to go about it, what what stood out to you uh, as you looked at this Broncos draft class and maybe even some of the undrafted guys they brought in? So Jerry Judy, I was ecstatic when Denver drafted him because he was, he was my number one receiver in this class. I thought he was the best fit for the Broncos offense under Pat Shermer. So he fell to 15, and then when Denver got him, I was really, really excited. Yeah, I was, oh, I, was with, I, I was with you because he, he was number one on my board, too. I, did, I just never thought he'd be there at 15. Yeah, and, and his ability to separate, I think, in the Shermer offense is just going to be a really, really good fit. And that was one of the reasons why I, I came around really quickly to K.J. Hamler because I think if K.J. Hamler's hands come along, and that was, like, my big concern with him, but his ability to separate is elite, and it's a trump card. Like, he can – He's going to be able to separate from man coverage in the NFL as long as people don't completely squat on him like physical corners. And if you missed a jam on KJ Hamler, he's so fast that he's going to threaten the end zone. So I loved that pick for that reason. I think he, him and Judy together are going to add an element to the Broncos offense they just haven't had. I, I can't even remember the last time they had so much explosiveness. Even under Manning, like they had, they had a lot of good start-stop acceleration like KJ uh, Hamler has. Um, so I love that pick too. Uh, Michael Ojemudie, what I really liked about him is the fact that he he fits the boundary corner ideal for what Fangio likes, but also I believe he offers positional flexibility. So if he doesn't end up being a stalwart boundary corner, he could end up being the safety after Kareem Jackson. And I think that's valuable. In the Fangio defense, safety play is really, really important, probably more important than most other teams in the NFL because they end up having so many responsibilities and they pick up so much in coverage. Um, as far as uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, I really like that. Anyway, I, I wanted him at 46. So the fact that he slid that far really surprised me. Um, I think some of his, I know his PFF grade wasn't great, but the thing with Lloyd Cushenberry that PFF, like their grade misses, is at LSU last year, he was running a lot of five-man protections. And so he was asked a lot of times to block the guy without any help. And you saw that kind of at the senior bowl where he could take on Javon Kinlaw. And I think that's going to help the Broncos passing game a lot. And Pat Shermer wants to throw the ball. So that's, it's a good fit there. Um, I like that just because it's kind of a sign that Fangio is moving towards building up the pass rush from basically every angle. And I think against Pat Mahomes in the division, that's really important because if, if Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller can get a pass rush off the edges, but Pat Mahomes can just step up in the pocket, like what good does it do? So Draymond Jones and McTell in a game together, I think is going to be really nice down the road. Um, and those are kind of like the picks that I was like most, most excited for. Um, Albert O, the thing that I was kind of back and forth on Albert O, just because the tight end room is so packed with just people. 
But if he if he can really rediscover what he was doing with Locke early in his career, Denver's going to have probably one of the most athletic tight end groups in the league. And Pat Shermer, outside of using three receiver sets, he loves to use two tight end sets. So those two together could end up being a really, really dynamic pair there. I like that a lot. And one of the big concerns with him is his route running and his ability to separate. But as a number two tight end with how much speed he's going to have around him, he's not going to be asked to run a lot of in-breaking and out-breaking routes. He's going to be asked to do a lot of crossers, a lot of stuff like that. And then he's going to be a red zone weapon. And I, I think he could be a really good one. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time just because rookie tight ends do need some time to acclimate to the league. But, but again, the, the, the ceiling is there and it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Um, I like Natane Moti too, just because I think it's a, it's a, that far down the board. I, I really don't believe that you can have a bad day, like late day three pick anyway, just because you're kind of gambling at that point. Um, history has shown the return on those picks is usually really, really low. So I like the fact that Elway looked at guys that could contribute either to special teams or he took real big swings on guys who could end up being something huge if they all pan out. And Mootsie is one of those where if he can stay healthy, he's a starting level guard in the NFL. Yeah, what's interesting about, uh, and it's Natani Mootsie, the only reason I know that is because Matt Russell on the uh, on the Broncos' website kept calling him Natani. Uh, and yep. so, uh, yeah, because you're not going to hear people talk about guards very much, even on a broadcast when you're breaking down tape. Uh, their name just doesn't come up too often. But with Muti, I think I, I'm not saying this will happen, but I threw it out there draft day, reached out to some people that I trust uh, with the team and around the league in terms of making uh, position changes in the NFL. But if Muti can come in and be a starting level guard, like you mentioned, and demand starters minutes starting, you know, a starting spot with projection of Juwan James and his health after this year they're going to be off the hook for most of the money that will have paid him I think 28 of the 32 that they owe him and this is probably the year that he that he stays healthy and plays well because he just kind of alternates year after year which means next year it would it be likely when this came to pass but if next year he's hurt again it wouldn't surprise me if Muti gets on the field and Dalton Reisner kicks out to right tackle. And then maybe that's a combination that you have for a while, especially if the, there's an upgrade at left tackle or that left tackle doesn't rely on Dalton Reisner as much as it's my understanding Garrett Bowles does uh, in terms of helping him kind of play in, play out, making sure that he's in the right place. I know that seems silly since Reisner was a rookie last year, uh, but I was told that, that Reisner basically has to, has to double-check that Bowles knows what's going on on every single play. Uh, so... I'm not, I'm not saying this will definitely happen, but it wouldn't blow me away if Mucci can stay healthy, which has been the biggest issue, too, and get on the field. He plays left guard. You have Glasgow at right guard. And then Reisner, who played plenty of tackle in college, can play right tackle because, for whatever reason, left guard and right tackle can be interchangeable in a lot of offenses. Mm-hmm. The, the one and – I, and I haven't started watching Dalton Reisner, like, specifically back, like, over all of his tape yet. The one thing I would want to watch on that is similar to what I was watching with Bulls is like true drop back passing. I want to see how Reisner handled it. Um, I watched the Packers game when I was watching Wilkinson and he had, and Reisner and Larry both had some issues with Zadarius Smith. And granted, Zadarius Smith is just one of the premier edge rushers in the league. And the Packers were really weaponizing him by moving him inside last year. But it does raise the concern that I want to see how Reisner would be able to handle that much space. Because that was the one issue Elijah Wilkinson had um, when you moved him out is he has all the technique in the world. He just doesn't have the foot speed to get out and then recover. If they, if a, if an edge rusher breaks outside and then counters back inside, a lot of times that's what Elijah Wilkinson was getting beat on. 
is because he just doesn't have the foot speed to like readjust his weight and shift back in. Um, I think Reisner could have it. Like Reisner's a better athlete than I thought he was coming out, but I, I want to go back and watch that. But it definitely would make sense, and it'd be it make the Broncos line better if if Muti can get healthy and play like that because his tape is ridiculous. Well, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that Packers game specifically because Wilkinson kind of hung out to dry, and maybe some of it was on Rich yeah. Gangarello, especially on that interception late in the first half uh, where Smith just smoked him off the line and, and then was in Flacco's face. Uh, it, it was my understanding, too, though, that the the Packers in that game specifically felt like, and, and I'm guessing the Broncos saw this as well and, and made an adjustment, but that Wilkinson was tipping, whether it was pass or run, with his pre-snap set. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, and so that made it a little easier for for Smith uh, and the rest of that Packers defense. So it doesn't do much now, but I think it helped uh, at the time once that was uh, communicated to Wilkinson and adjusted by Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper. So so we'll see how it all shakes out. So let's now between the free agency, and I guess I haven't talked to you since they added Jarrell Casey via trade, which isn't free agency and they added Graham Glasgow when you put it all together with the free agency moves and the draft I imagine you like most folks in Broncos country feel pretty good about the way this roster is setting up yeah I love it I, th- I think it all comes down to Locke because you know if Locke, if Locke doesn't make the jump it's not going to really matter I think he will but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic there but I think Elway went out and did every single thing he really could to kind of eliminate any excuse Locke might have as to why he couldn't perform. Like, he has a running game now. Graham Glasgow is going to drastically improve the, the protection inside. Like, watching his Lions tape, he's a very, very good pass protector, and he has the mobility to really help whoever ends up at that right tackle. So if it's not Jawan James, I think Wilkinson could look better at right tackle just for the fact that Glasgow's there. Um, and then Drell Casey's a, a big uh, upgrade on the pass rush so and then the fact that they got shelby harris back for so cheap is just it baffled my mind that his market fell the way it did but i'm really glad like selfishly i guess i'm glad it did just for the fact that he's back because i think he's an underrated player and i think with the pieces around him he's gonna have a big year this year um and then i think aj boye was if they weren't gonna re-sign chris harris aj boye i wasn't even considering him just because i didn't think they would do it but to kind of capitalize on Jacksonville tearing everything down the way they did was really brilliant. Well, yeah, if you want to get in the Trevor Lawrence uh, business, that's why when I saw John Clayton tweet, why aren't the uh, Jags going after Andy Dalton? And I said, you accidentally win some games and you may not get Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. And, and it feels like that's what they're doing, even though they would never say it. And they're behind Gardner Minshew. It seems to be behind Gardner Minshew now. And then when you go in 16 and Minshew probably won't even start all 16 games, right? And they're switching out quarterbacks. And next thing you know, Trevor Lawrence falls in their lap. That's of course, assuming that there are 16 games. We'll find out with the schedule released tonight. Uh, final thing I have for you, because you mentioned it's all on Drew Locke and, and you think he will take the next step. What's a realistic expectation? You know, we got a chance to talk with Drew the other day. He said he's picking up this offense 10 times faster. That's got to be encouraging and he wants to get on the field with his teammates, but we don't know when that'll be a realistic possibility. So what's a fair expectation with this, with these strange times that we're in and, and a, a different offseason all the way around? What's fair to, to say about uh, or to expect from Drew in year two? I think it's all double starter, and I think that's my hope. Um, I, think if he, I think if he takes the strides that I was starting to see him make from – game two of last like of his starts last year to the game four and five and i know the numbers didn't show it but in terms of how he was playing he was improving quite a bit 
if he makes that same kind of jump over the offseason, he'll probably have a two to one or like three to one touchdown interception ratio this year. Denver's going to be in just about every game. Um, they do have some really tough opponents on the schedule with the NFC South and then obviously Pat Mahomes in the West. But there's also a lot of teams on the schedule that Denver should be able to hang with. And if Locke makes the jump, they could win 10 games and they could win more than 10 games if, if everything comes together. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping. Uh, and again, like it's hard to put a number on just because we don't know for a fact that we're going to have 16 games. But I think he's going to be a solid plus starter as long as he makes that jump over the offseason. Well, Joe, I appreciate uh, the work and we'll continue to keep checking you out on my High Report and on Twitter as well. Thanks for the time. We'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Again, I encourage you to check Joe's stuff out on Twitter at Joe Rowe underscore NFL. Does a really good job with film breakdown uh, there in his in his uh, film room. As good as really anybody in Broncos country breaking down film as it relates to the Broncos. Also remind you, check out DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code BK. You can win up to $1,000. Promo code BK. All right. I appreciate you listening. Tomorrow we got a football Friday, so we will catch you next time on the Broncos Daily Podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.